Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Let's go watch it in 2D. No, let's go watch it in 3D. But if we watch it in 3D, then is it worth the cost? Grunge is a good look for you. Did you have a rough day, Agent Fury? I'm gonna need clarification on this space invasion. Scrolls are infiltrating your planet. They're shapeshifters. Okay, prove you're not a scroll. That's a photon blast. And? A scroll cannot do that. I'm just supposed to take your word for that. We are Kree. Strong, united. You have to let go of the past. I don't remember my past. Control it. I have this power, but I don't know where it came from. I've never seen anything like her. You think you can find others? She's just the beginning. You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. Aren't you the cutest little thing? Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? Gary. What's you? I'll be back. Captain Marvel. Hello, hello, hello. This is Ian Alfega, and today I have with me James Tate. Yes. And Jake Jarvis. Howdy. And I'm a little bit sick, so I apologize if I cough or sound terrible. So, uh, today we're going to do a spoilerific review of Captain Marvel. So, if you have not seen the movie, you need to, um, you know, stop, pause it, and watch the movie, and come back, and then you'd be good. Because we're going to talk about all the story elements in this movie with full spoilers. Yep. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. So, now that the warning's out, um, James, first, what are your overall thoughts of the movie? Uh, this is, movie is a mess. It's, it's, it's a, it's something else. That's what I think. <laughs> okay, Jake, what are your thoughts overall? Um... Um, this movie made me, um, think Marvel movies right now are kind of almost beyond criticism. It's, they're almost their own entity, their own genre at where we're at. Uh, how I would rate this as a movie would be much higher than how I would rate it as a Marvel movie. Uh, there's there were things about it I really liked, and there were lots of things not so much. Of course, this got a big laugh uh, at the theater I was at because uh, I live I live fairly near, uh, you know, several hours drive on back roads to the world's last blockbuster, which uh, sells their own craft beer, by the way. I mean, this is Oregon. Um, so that got the like the biggest laugh. So this movie starts off on 
another planet. Um, is this a Cree homeworld? I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Hala. And which we have not ever seen before in Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And um, Captain Marvel, or Verse, as they call her for most of the movie, um, is training with Jude Law and trying to figure out about being with the Central Intelligence or something. And it's kind of confusing in the beginning. Yeah, the the beginning of the movie is kind of really kind of weird. I'm not sure why they cut the movie this way, but it's like they just kind of drop you in the middle of this, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like they... I, I, I'm not entirely sure, you know, the reasoning behind that. Well, eventually things kind of get explained, but some things don't get explained, which is kind of this, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, I'd say, has the weirdest pacing out of... Like, I can't think of a Marvel movie that has, has this problem besides this movie. Jake, you have anything to add? Uh, well, the 3D was great, but uh, you could tell uh, two companies uh, worked on it because the 3D had like two different distinct styles, and it got to be a little jarring. Okay, James, did you watch this in 3D? I actually did not. Okay. I did watch it in 3D. I did like the 3D overall. Um, you know, some scenes were better than others. You know, the space scenes and some perspective shots were really great. Um, but overall, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. I think it was only kind of good. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts on 3D overall? Okay. I, um, there were a few uh, cardboard shots, uh, but... Mostly, I was really impressed with some of the detail, um, like Brie Larson's The Bill of Her Cap would be in a different plane than her nose, but then there were other scenes that were flat and cardboardy, but they cut away from them pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, there were some scenes in 3D, I mean, they rivaled uh, Endgame, but then there was stuff in here that looked like um, b back in the day, you know. For, uh, in fact, some of it was weaker than the stuff even in the beginning of the in the Marvel uni uh, Cinematic Universe. So there's one like action scene where Captain Marvel was like escaping and she's like fighting all these scroll and it just keeps cutting and the camera angles get all weird, and I was just like, ah, I don't want to see this. Did you have a problem with that, or no? Yeah, I... Another problem with with that scene was just... I felt... Okay, this is... This, this is the first time of, like, throughout the entire movie where I felt like there was no point in the movie at all where the character is in any real danger. And I say that because, like, She's just so powerful. You know, like, she's just... Like, 
there's there's nothing that's gonna challenge her at all you know like she you know in this scene she is running around with both her hands cuffed basically and she's still beating everyone you know yeah um so i didn't like that you know i don't know so yeah, the she and her team um go to this other planet to look at the scrolls and then she is captured and the scrolls are like getting zapping her brain to get the memories and um yeah. that's when she escapes eventually. But these flashbacks are the main storytelling element here because like you don't know what the hell's going on, but you kinda get some kind of pieces together with the flashbacks. Yeah. And that's how they do an origin story in this movie, is that it's a lot of flashbacks, a lot of exposition, figuring out, okay, instead of just having a a simple story. um, So then she escapes, and then she somehow or another falls into Earth, which I just kind of lost how that happened. (laughs) Yeah, like, I didn't... It was weird how they kind of did that, but whatever. (laughs) Jake, what are your thoughts? Well, um, they set up this origin story as a as a mystery, uh, but they were, there's one big problem. We already know the end. Uh, mysteries are not the journey. Um, mysteries are about solving something, a problem. Uh, Finding out are about finding out something. Mysteries are not necessarily about the journey. Yeah, another thing that I have to say about that is like the character has like amnesia or whatever, which that is the most like stereotypical overused plot device for a character. Because I have amnesia! And it's just really lazy. You know, it's that's that's another criticism I have. It's like they oh I don't remember my past or I have flashbacks of my past but I don't know who I am. Like that's such a stereotypical thing, you know. Yeah, it wasn't clear if uh, she was brainwashed or if it was like her memories were destroyed or or what exactly caused that amnesia. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I also. <laughs> Part of me doesn't really understand the point of brainwashing her, because, okay, so her powers are, like, quote-unquote, in control. Well, if her powers are in control because of the mind thing, the the chip, then wouldn't it not matter whether she, you know, knew her past or not, because she would have to serve them? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, they didn't explain... Was it was her amnesia a a, bri- a byproduct of the accident, or was it something they did to her? Yeah, and it was know. very subtle. Well, one of the problems this or strengths, because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of Ryan Flex and Ann Bowden's other work, because uh, they always they pretty much you know like Sugar or um, God, I'm now trying to remember. Half Nelson, that's the one that kind of put Ryan Gosling on the map. Uh, but, I mean, this is very, 
they they pretty much just changed one set of tropes with another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of instead of trying to really subvert tropes, they just kind of changed out one set, like I said, one set for another. So we got hero standard hero's journey stuff instead of comic book stuff. You know, like the amnesia. I felt like I was watching. This is like soap opera elements without soap opera uh, storyline. Yeah. So I guess that during the flashback scenes, the Kree learned where she was from Earth, and that's or not the Kree, the uh, scrolls. So that's why they traveled over there. But that wasn't really clear. She just kind of appeared at Earth, and I was like, "Whoa, what the hell happened here?" You know, and fell into the blockbuster. Oh. Yeah. Um, they were looking for uh, the Tesseract. Which, okay, doesn't that have a, make a big plot hole in the MCU? It kind of uh, does. Not, necessar- not necessarily. Uh, this is, uh, this movie kind of, one of the things that irritated me a little bit was this movie was is like homework. Uh, it pretty much exists for the same reason uh, Captain Marvel uh, First Avenger exists. Uh, we need to introduce the, yeah, the First Avenger. Uh, we need to uh, what did I say? Marvel? Yeah. Uh, this movie exists uh, for the same reason Captain America The First Avenger exists. Uh, that is to introduce a character you're putting in an Avengers movie so the audience won't be completely lost. Yes. It's just, in theory. Uh, exactly? and How is the stone there? Uh, okay. We, uh, Stark, uh, found it while, uh, went, while searching for, uh, Captain America. And uh-huh. so it was in, so it was in what shields, uh, the group that eventually became Shield, of course. I thought uh, they didn't. I didn't think they were called Shield until Pepper Potts uh, coined it. I thought that they were calling themselves Strategic Homeland, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here we're in the '90s, and they're calling themselves Shield. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's weird. a definite. That's a retcon. Okay, um, I think actually the name Shield was given by Peggy Carter back in the sixties, so um, that kind of explains that um, when she finished establishing it, which we did not get to see at the end of the Agent Carter TV show, um, which it did, you know, that kind of left there. But yeah, apparently Shield—that's you know—Shield has been around since the sixties officially, but they're around no. in the forties and fifties. But they weren't using the anagram shield. They were referring to themselves as strategic homeland, blah, 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 blah. Because don't you remember Coulson constantly saying it out until Pepper gets, like, exasperated and says, like, why don't you go by shield? Okay. Yeah. But didn't they get the Tesseract for, like, under the water? <laughs> Yeah, Howard Stark when he was looking for uh, uh, Captain America comes because because uh, remember Captain America doesn't get found until modern day, but uh, 
the Tesseract gets found. So uh, Wendy Larson would have access to it. What we don't know is when they got it exactly, how long she's had access to it. And also, something that they should have mentioned, Hydra was running S.H.I.E.L.D. at this time. Yeah. So, was, uh, so how many uh, scrolls were tied up with a Hydra. Yeah. That so, would have been nice to know. And uh, were the scrolls and uh, Hydra working together, or did they just ignore, uh, or, did, uh, uh, or, or did Hydra know about the scrolls and the Kree? I mean, this would have been nice to know one way or another. It's like oh, no. Hydra doesn't exist anymore. It's like Hydra doesn't exist. What? Yeah. The, that's, I, uh, the thing is about setting this movie so, like, 20 years in the past feels like a gimmick to me. Feels like a gimmick, and then also it's like, it's not even a good one because, uh, because of the fact that, you know, it's, doesn't really make much sense as far as like you know there's things brought up in this film that don't really work you know yeah some of the 90s jokes kind of got annoying some of them worked but some of them are just kind of okay i get it you know move on you know yeah like it also felt like they were too they're trying too hard to like push this as a 90s you know And even, yeah, and I was, since I was older, um, cause I mean, uh, I joke, I said, uh, I don't know if I was really lived the nineties because I remember the nineties and hated the nineties, but a lot of the stuff they had as being 95 was actually much later. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. They got, uh, yeah. I'm like going, really? There's nobody here that was an adult in the 90s and remembered that this didn't come out to 96, 97. Yeah. And the music music choices made me miss uh, James Gunn all the more. Some of them were too on the nose, like literally, and didn't didn't have any nuance. And others were, I guess... Uh, they had a package deal. Buy the rights to this song. We'll toss this song in, and they're like, "What yeah, the hell?" The, the the song choices were also pretty weird. They were kind yeah, of all were over just, the place. They were just too on the nose. Uh, and uh, and I hate to say this, but I also think uh, they were trying too hard with the feminist angle, and were sometimes it was coming across uh, more that that it wasn't it was getting in the way of serving the bigger story. I kind of felt like I kind of felt like the the message, like the the woman message, was kind of out of place in the movie. It didn't really like it didn't really have any reason to exist, and, and, I, and I say that because it's like. 
the main the character's main arc, which isn't even really an arc, doesn't really have anything to do with you know oh the fact that she's a woman. That it like they bring that up that message or whatever up when like they flash back or whatever, but that's not that's not necess- necessarily a, like a natural story progression kind of way of telling it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like they're kind of just adding it. You know what I mean? This movie was more of a, an origin story for Nick Fury, actually. Yeah. Which we're gonna about to get to. Um, you know, talking about the emotional thing, um, you know, they, they kind of mentioned that a lot. It's like, oh, you gotta control your emotions, gotta control your emotions. And then when she stopped controlling her emotions, she became super powerful. So it's like, isn't that kind of messing up the whole narrative here? Yeah, that, that, that's what I was here. Like, she, the character doesn't really have an arc in that, like, um, you know how like character arcs work. It's like you're 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 messing up on something at the beginning of the film. You're you're told about like the problem that you have, and then eventually by the end of the movie you solve the problem. In this movie, for some reason, they tell her like, "Oh, you need to control your emotions," and then she doesn't control her emotions, and she's super powerful and does everything and wins. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of stupid. What were you gonna say, Jake? Uh, well, a lot of uh, Carol's arc is actually uh, uh, surviving a toxic, abusive relation. Because, I mean, Yon Rog is your typical, uh, almost functions as the dirtbag boyfriend that, to keep his woman in line, constantly belittles her and tries to keep her dependent and... Uh, I mean, this is something that's not necessarily a woman's story, but unfortunately, it seems to happen to a lot more women than men. Uh Uh, This sort of abuse story, uh, Uh which is kind of jarring, uh, kind of a a thing of realism in a sci-fi fantasy mystery thriller. Yeah. And I think at the beginning of the story, more like two thirds of the movie, I didn't like Brie Larson. I thought she was cold, aloof, and just not likable at all. And toward the you know, end, you know that I liked her. you know you're right when you say that because I I felt like in this movie she only had two emotions: either she was mad or she acted like she was better than you. Like that's not. That's not a very good, you know, character. It's not a character that you, you you like. She's she was not likable in this movie. I don't know why, but they just she wasn't. You know what I mean? I think the last third I did like her, but most of it I didn't. Jake, what are your thoughts? Well, I just to me she just seemed like uh, a soldier, and I just figured. Uh, I was stunned that, I mean, she acted like she had been raised by the career her whole life, and then we find out it's been like six years, and I'm like, okay, so what, so why the such difference between her behavior now and then when she was a Air Force uh, pilot? We never got an explanation as to Exactly. I mean, uh, did, I mean, they didn't, 
we didn't get any explanation to exactly why she's so different. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned before, let's start talking about this. Nick Fury, you know, finds uh, Brie Larson or, you know, Captain Marvel. And, you know, they actually have a really good, I think, chemistry together. And I really like uh, Nick Fury in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nick Fury is like the straight guy, you know, um, just saying, you know, and um, Carol Danvers as Captain uh, Marvel is like the strange person. And, you know, it's like, okay, trying to explain what's happening. And you get this action scene on the subway and trying to understand the scrolls and how they change shape. And that, you know, they're here to find the super weapon or something. Um, or the, or the, the engine to make to go light speed or something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they get they go into this, like, building, and um, that's when you try to find, you know, government uh, resources, and they eventually escape, like, a little room with a tape, which I actually really like. I like that scene, scene think Fury as a spy, and then you see the first time you get a, a cat, which is Goose, mm-hmm. And um, the cat almost stole the show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we know, because we're nerds, the cat was a... Was it Zirkin? Gherkin? Yeah. Flurkin. Flurkin, yeah. Um, And it's not a cat. It is a different species, alien species, that looks like cats, but are very powerful. And um, they changed the name of the character for no apparent reason. (laughs) Uh, and they changed the gender of the cat. Yeah. Yeah, Chewie's a, a female cat who, who who lays lots of eggs at a time, like 176 or something like that. And Nick Fury really likes this cat, and then they find the records of uh, Carol Danvers, and the you, know, you get some flashbacks to the past, and like, oh, if we... Um, Go back to Louisiana, find your partner. Maybe she'll give us some answers. So they hijack a plane and then go to Louisiana. And um, <laughs> then they talk to her friend, um, which I don't have a character name on top of my head. And it, the movie kind of slows to a crawl. Um, at this Maria Rambo. She's yeah. kind of a retconned daughter. She's a, they, they shoehorned her in here. Because they want Monica Rambeau to be uh, an adult in current time, so we're uh, and um, and and comic nerds know that Monica Rambeau is another one of the uh, women who took the Captain uh, Marvel uh, mantle at one time, and she was also known as Photon uh, Spectrum. Uh, she was a Captain Universe. Uh, she was part of uh, Next Wave, huh. you know, agents of uh, agents of of Smile. Wow. Um, I thought her character was okay. So they're building her up to something. So Monica Rambeau is going to be something in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm hoping. I'm hoping I, I for next. Fan, I wasn't a fan of the hanging out with her friend or whatever all day. It felt like a really dumb and bad version of the Age of Ultron 
farm scenes. I hate. I didn't like them. It just kind of slowed down the movie. Yeah, it's just. Oh, this movie was a. This movie operates on a really slow burn. Yeah, and then another thing I hated, honestly, I I hate the scrolls are good twist. I I hated that twist because the <laughs> the scrolls are not good. They they're bad guys, and the 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 thing that. The thing that would have been better, a better twist, is that they're both bad. Like in the comic book. Um, like, the thing is that, you know, um, yeah, like, the t- there's two twists. It's like, oh, the scrolls are good, and the Kree are bad. It would have been better. It's like, okay, well, the scrolls are bad, but uh, the, the, the Kree are also bad. Because, and, and no side's right, really. It's just a, a never-ending war. Um, I don't know. I just didn't buy the whole uh, the shapeshifters are the good guys all along. See, I didn't expect that twist. Um, you know, I actually kind of liked it. I thought that was interesting and a way to, you know, have a different, you know, not all aliens are bad aliens and, you know, you see the scrolls and you automatically think that they're evil because their appearance and you know, that apparently the Korea have been hunting them down and, you know, they don't have a home planet anymore. And, um, you know, which eventually leads to us finding their ship in space. And, um, yeah, apparently it's been cloaked and been there for a while. It's like, okay, that's a plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Uh, I didn't so much mind the scrolls were uh, a good guys because I because I've done I've never seen like a whole race of anybody's being bad or good, but it was a pleasant to twist to see this little bunch of scrolls, you know, not necessarily trying to take over the world. Of course, the theater I saw this in. There were a lot of fanboys grumbling under their breath near me about how this screws up any possibility of a secret invasion, which was what a lot of them were hoping the next phase of Marvel was going to be, the secret invasion storyline. But you have to remember when this movie was developed, Disney hadn't bought Fox and they didn't have access to the Fantastic Four family of characters and God knows what deal they had to make to be able to use the scrolls. Or maybe the scrolls were one of those character groups that was jointly owned by Disney and Fox. And my head just spins just trying to think of all this corporate crap that fans shouldn't even have to concern themselves with. Should be a non-issue, and it's not, and that's irritating as hell. So, um, we learned that Carol Danvers, um, she was, you know, she she was flying with Marvell, and um, they have a crash, and the Kree attack her, and then that the inside the airplane that they're in the jet that 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 had the technology, and Carol Danvers shot it, and it exploded. And that gave her her powers. And um, 
I didn't really understand how she could survive that. I think they didn't really explain that well enough in the movie. Just kind of have to go with it. Yeah, they didn't explain it at all. I mean, you just assume uh, Cree, the same uh, medical stuff that uh, Fury used to bring back um, Coulson uh, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they had better technology to use on Carol. Would have been nice to see that. Yeah, well, I, I having Coulson in this movie and doing literally nothing with him was stupid. <laughs> and what like, about Ronan the Accuser? I mean, <laughs> I was even there. Ronan was worse in this movie than he was <laughs> in Guardians. Why? He didn't do anything he... in this movie. Yeah, except he, he didn't do anything. <laughs> Why was he here? And I also want to know, Clark Gregg never had this much hair. Not even in the 90s. I don't think he ever looked this young. Even when he was that age. Yeah. And then we do get the the Flurgan actually use the powers and eat up the bad guys. And that was actually really fun. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and when he went all Cthulhu on the um, Tesseract, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the humans knew why the scrolls were afraid of him. Yeah. So, um, you know, we get to like the conclusion, which is um, Carol Danvers just completely unleashing and becoming binary version of her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the binary powers. Which she's basically unstoppable. I mean, uh, she was able to take down, like, 50 missiles at once and, like, nothing to it. And, um, yeah, that's when she, you know, was able to, I guess, get into, like, a fight with all her pro- previous people or your know, team members. Um, I did appreciate that one of the guys was the guy in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Um, I forget that guy's name. The guy that says, who are you? You know. Yeah. Colthar. Um, and we get a whole, you know, fight with, um, Vers or Captain Marvel and like, you know, confronting her, the man and like, she doesn't kill him, but he sends him back to her, you know, his planet to warn them or something. And then she's going to take the, um, the scrolls ship by herself and fly it uh, to some other place in the universe, I guess. <laughs> It kind of left things a little bit hanging. And, um, you know, you do get a, a good montage of her getting back up and, you know, really learning who she was and, you know, becoming more warm and likable toward the end. And, um, yeah, it, it ends, I think it ends better than it, it ends well, I think. It just, there's just a lot of loopholes and a lot of uh, plot holes that just like, hey, wait a minute here. I'm kind of confused on this and that, you know. So, um, before we get to the post and mid credit scenes, what would you guys give it? It's tough. Like, if we were doing a Marvel scale, just Marvel movies, I'd give it a five. But as a just a movie, uh, I just look at this, that. Uh, I also noticed, because I went with non-comic people, 
And uh, they were like, oh, 10 out of 10. They loved it. Comic people were grumbling, you know. So I would, taking, talking to them, looking at it, uh, just, I would give it a 7. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I give it a se- I gave it a seven too, uh, James. So what are you thinking? Oh, yeah, I I don't know. I I didn't really like it that much. Um, I felt like it had a lot of problems. Uh, so I guess I'll just I'll give it a three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's get to the mid credit scene, which is a doozy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much the existence of the movie. So, um, you know, we get inside the Avengers bunker and, um, the remaining Avengers are, are trying to use the pager and they keep saying that we try to keep using it, but we don't know what's happening. And it's like, well, we don't know what this pager even does, but it's like, it, you know, it's important to Nick Fury. So it's important to us. And, um, just out of nowhere, uh, she comes up and it's like, where's Nick Fury? And she's right there. So. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> and you notice she's in a, and she's in a drastically different outfit. So my first thought, I was like going, well, thank God she changed her clothes after 30 years. Yeah. They never explained if she time travels or, or, or where she was in that time. You know, I guess she was going to fi- finish the war whatever, between the Kree and the Skull. We don't know what she did. For all we know, she could have been hanging out in Aruba with uh, with uh, Maria and Monica Rambeau. I mean, we don't know. She could have been on Earth. Tahiti. It's a magical place. Back and forth. She could have been at the... She could have been in the quantum realm. We don't have any idea where she's been. It's never uh, explained. Yeah. All, all aptitude, uh, there's, there's got, there's going to be a whole lot of explaining necessary, uh, in Endgame. That's all I got to say. Yeah. So then we get to the very, very final post-credit scene, and Goose, um, is like has a furball and throws up the tesseract on Nick Fury's desk. Yeah. Which, like we said, it's kind of a weird thing because. The last, how we found out that the Tesseract existed, you know, where they found it, you know, was at the beginning of Avengers underwater, I think, right? You know, because they found it there with um, the wreckage of Captain America when Captain America was. Is that am I wrong or or what? You, no, you're not wrong. That was it's not uh, not completely wrong. Uh, but the thing is, uh. From that being found, we don't know what, we don't know the time of when that happened and then when Cap was found and Goose and, uh, for all we know, uh, uh, Nick Fury threw the Tesseract in the ocean and Hydra dug it up. That would be nice to know one way or another. Like I said, the fact that, uh, they completely, uh, there was no, it would have been nice if they acknowledged Hydra was uh, around. Yeah, maybe Hydra is the one that threw in the ocean or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But so, yeah, that the whole Tesseract, I think, didn't need to be in this movie at all. I think it just kind of opens up a lot more questions than, than, than in anything. Yeah, it does. Yeah, maybe this was Goose's way of going, sorry I took your eye. Here's your uh, space yeah. stone. Which, uh, Goose being the one that takes Nick Fury's eye is kind of stupid when you consider that it contradicts the Winter Soldier. Well, well... He shouldn't have trusted the cat. <laughs> That's stupid, though. <laughs> but it's sort of funny. Uh, it's <laughs> funny, ironic. Kind of yeah. in a 90s Alanis Morissette way. See, I'd get this back to the 90s somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hey, we were spared Alanis songs in this. Yeah, it wasn't some kind of badass, you know, kind of action scene where he lost his eye. It was a cat that scratched him that he didn't obviously yeah. did not read the cat. You know, if you own cats or have been around cats, you learn to lead, learn to read their body language. And obviously, Nick Fury did not learn that until the hard way. <laughs> and he should have listened to the scrolls. They told him that flirking was dangerous. No. I mean, I just hope, uh, of course, I'm figuring Goose is going to be the one who actually uh, saves the day in End War. I mean, he's the one who's got the real power. I mean, he took out Scrolls quicker, no, Kree quicker than uh, Captain Marvel did. He's the one who's probably going to take out Thanos. So, does this mean that Endgame, you know, when does this happen in Endgame? Is this right before? the middle or in the beginning do we have Captain Marvel in the entirety of Endgame or, or when, you know? It's a good tease, but it's a kind of, okay, what's happening there, you know? Yeah. I'm just glad we don't have a long wait, because if this was like back in the days where we had to wait three years between Star Wars installments and then I think I would be over it. Yeah. And like, um, you know, it's it's just it's, it's a fun movie. I did like it. I just there is problems there to it. I think and I, we talked about all the problems there. You know, I did enjoy myself for here. I didn't, you know, I was bored about a good third of the movie in the middle, but it was all right. I liked it. You know, I think yeah. I think a seven is is the maximum I'll give it, but a good kind of range for me. You know, I was like, no, I don't want to give it more than that, but I don't. You know, I don't have disagreements as much as James does with it, so. Yeah. yeah. To me, this was kind of, when I was watching it, I said, you know, I, I, it just, some of it sort of, in a strange way, reminded me of the problems I had with the new rebooted uh, Tomb Raider. Mm. Uh, and I was like, and that's why I was thinking of Seven, because that's what I gave it. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn was kind of the Walter Goggins of this movie. Like, Goggins was in Tomb Raider. And it, it was nice to see him subvert his typical bad guy uh, role. He's one of the few people who... Him and uh, Samuel Jackson knew what movie they were in. Everybody else seemed to not really understand what movie they were in. Yeah. Oh, they never actually gave the character her name in the movie. Yeah. Marvel. Did you guys notice that? I was like, yeah. I was waiting for there, you know. Yeah. They did mention, you know, that she flew the Avenger, 
you know, which inspired the Avenger initiative, um, which, okay, uh, that's fine. But, like, you know, they never gave, you know, she's just Carl Danvers. So she's not Captain, you know, Marvel. And, you know, that would have been something that I kind of expected to see in this movie somewhere. And, you know, say, okay, what name should I give myself? I don't know. And it's like, I guess I'll honor Marvel. And then, you know, I don't think she was a captain in the Air Force here. I think she was just a cadet, right? Yeah. She would have had to have had some sort of rank to have been in the NASA Air Force uh, secret project. That would have been nice. I mean, I'm sitting here going, you know, because I'm from an Air Force family. I grew up an Air Force brat. Uh, it would have been nice if they, I mean, this was like the most unmilitary military. So I'm like going, why in the hell do they even call the cat Goose? Nobody here seems to. Yeah, I don't get the Goose thing. I know it's a reference to um, Top Gun. Which I don't care about. I don't care about Top Gun. I'm sorry. It doesn't really. It's one of those things that I guess people from that, when it came out, really liked it. But I don't, I don't never watched it. I have no desire to watch it. I just don't get it. James, do you ever watch Top Gun? Uh, no. But everyone knows Chewie. Uh, I, uh, I had, uh, I ended up, uh, getting dragged to see the 3D conversion and, uh, fell asleep because I had been drinking. So I can't even tell you how the 3D is. But, like, Chewie is much more of a fun character. Because, like, oh, Chewie, oh, like Chewbacca. And everyone would get that. Chewbacca, you know, Star Wars has resonated over the years, and I think everyone would have got that joke. The the irony of the name, Chewie, because of the Florkin's mouth. Yeah. So, that's a weird change. I don't see the need for that, but that's fine. Whatever, I guess. Whatever movie, you want to change things up for no reason, sure. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, well... I was actually surprised they got something this good out of Carol Danvers' story, because her comic book origins are a mess. I think that they were faithful. <laughs> there was no, there, it's impossible to be faithful to this character. I mean, she started out as the love interest for Walter Lawson, even though they gave her rank. I was like, she was. For like ten years, pretty much the arm candy of uh, Marvel. Then the whole Miss Marvel thing, and the, oh, that don't even get me started about that skank wear suit of hers. Oh, the green suit or the red and blue one? Oh, the when she was Miss Marvel in the six-inch heels and the bare midriff and the short shorts that half of her butt hangs out and the fugly mask. Are you talking about the uh, red one or the black one? Because I really like the the red suit. Oh, the black suit was sexy. You know, when she was Warbird? uh, Yeah. You know, that was a sexy outfit. Uh, And she explained the heels, uh, because she used the heels more than once to uh, put out an opponent's eye or something. So, you know. mm -hmm. And she says, I fly most of the time. I don't walk. Yeah. Okay. Is one of the lines that I, I always I said, you know, I think I like this character finally. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, I think uh, I think we got it done for this podcast. Um, I think uh, we talked about Stan Lee. We need to talk about Stan Lee. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. He was reading the script to Mallrats. Uh huh. Which he was filming about this time. Uh, and if you haven't seen Mallrats, you got to go see Mallrats. Stan Lee actually had a real part in that movie, not just yeah. a little cameo. Yep. And. And the opening credit, and they um, changed the flip uh, credits for Marvel. Instead of being comic book panels, they made it Stan Lee's cameos. I I actually cried. Yeah, that was really beautiful. I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, damn it. You got me right in the feels with that. James, it gets you? Eh, not really. <laughs> It's a hard ass, James. Uh, Such a hard ass. Yeah, it's hard ass. Expect you sticking with your guns. This does also confirms that the MCU is in the same universe as the Jay and Silent Bob Clerks universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Clerks universe. Smoking wish, doing coke, drinking beers, drinking beers, 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 rolling fatties, smoking blunts. Who smokes the blunts? Who smoked the blunts? Kevin Smith said that on, uh, I think it was on uh, Instagram, that he was like stunned when he saw that. He's just like, oh my god, I'm in that. <laughs> my movies are in the Marvel Universe. Oh my god, it's amazing, you know. And I can imagine him being excited about that, you know. It was a great reference. Yeah, who wouldn't? I mean, the state of Oregon is like, yeah, we're in, because uh, <laughs> we have the last blockbuster standing. And as far as I know, the only video rental place that has its own craft beer. Wow. All right. Well, I guess that's basically it. Uh, anything else, James? You know anything else? Nope. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Alright, before this podcast ends, I want to give a thank you to my patrons. Right now, we have a one patron, which is David from Spain, and I want to thank you for your financial support. Alright, so that's going to be it for this podcast. We now have a Patreon, and the link is in the description. Uh, thanks for watching. And we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they don't put it everywhere. Just look for us, 3D or 2D. And of course, review us on iTunes. And if you want to write us a letter, um, our email address is email3d4d at gmail.com. So that's going to be it. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone.